This morning's message I'm titling The Privilege of Prayer in our Greater Things message. And we started out the year making a very bold statement that our desire, we'll get to this in just a minute, Troy, you don't have to go there right now, but is to unapologetically pursue the fullness of what Jesus paid for. My favorite word in that statement is unapologetically, because I think we need to stop apologizing for our passion. Stop apologizing for the boldness that we have, that we're afraid we're going to offend somebody, or we're going to make someone feel uncomfortable if we worship too free, or maybe you know, it will be a distraction if we're too free, if we're too passionate, if we're too set on seeing the fullness of Jesus invade this place. I heard a testimony one time from a worship leader, and she said every time she would begin worshiping, and she is hyper-expressive, we can call it that, in her worship. Um, We got a few of those in the house. And uh, she said every time the enemy starts speaking to her during worship, you're too much, you're being too distracting, you're being too loud, She says, as soon as the enemy starts whispering those lies, I just start going in even harder. I start being more loud. I start worshiping with more passion because it's not about what anyone else thinks. It's not about what you sound like or what you look like. It's about unapologetically pursuing the fullness of what Jesus paid for, what we celebrated this morning. That's what it's about. And when we begin worshiping In that atmosphere of freedom, watch out, church. When we can step outside of our own comfort zone and realize worship really isn't about us at all, it's really not even about what we get out of it. That's a secondary benefit. The primary purpose of worship is honoring the name of Jesus. It's not about how we feel afterwards. That's God's faithfulness. That's the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And it's amazing, but our sole responsibility in worship is lifting him up. And when we lift him up, he will draw all men unto himself. Amen? None of that's even, I haven't even gotten to the intro yet. That's free today, all right? We're family. We're a family. Whether you like it or not, you're my brother and you're my sister. We have been gifted divine access to the Father. I love this. this. This right here. Loving Jesus empowers us to fulfill his commands. Intimacy empowers. Loving Jesus, falling in love with your Savior is what is going to empower you to see greater things. Fall in love with Jesus. Heal the sick, raise the dead, take care of the poor and the orphan and the widow. Go into all the world and preach. You're empowered to do these things because of your love, your pursuit of him. Wanting more of Jesus every day. Two weeks ago, we uh, co-preached the message we called Shake It Off. It's about shaking off anything that hinders you from experiencing the fullness of Christ. Whether that is sin, 
And remember, sin, sin is not only, right, doing the wrong thing, but neglecting to do the right thing. And if we don't shake it off, we hinder the Holy Spirit's opportunity for operation in our lives. He can't do what he wants to do if we're holding on to our past, if we're holding on to bitterness, if we're holding on to the mistakes we've made or things that have been done to us, and we just keep replaying it over and over and over again in our minds. We say we've forgiven, but we haven't forgotten. That's not Jesus, because he forgets our sin as far as the east is from the, the west, remembering it no more. And if he has forgiven us in the entire world when we come to him, who are we to hold someone's mistakes against them? Who are we to hold our own mistakes against us if it's been forgiven? And then last week, Leslie taught on the importance of marrying the word and power together. Our word, the demonstration of the word of God must be accompanied by a demonstration of power. That's what Jesus did. Jesus never taught and was like, okay, just go do what I taught you. He accompanied everything that he taught with a demonstration of power, his miracles, his signs, his wonders. Because everything that people saw was for a redemptive purpose, right? It was to redeem the lost. It was to display the glory of God. It wasn't about Jesus or his fame. He didn't care about any of that. He said, everything I do points to the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what the Father is really like. The word and power. Here's our verse that we're, we're going after this year. It's on the screens. Believe, this is Jesus speaking in John 14. Believe that I, as, that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever, say whatever, not like the whatever, like whatever. Come on, say it, whatever. I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything, say anything. Anything in my name. Jesus doesn't put any limitations on it. He says, ask, ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. We are unapologetically pursuing the fullness of what Jesus paid for. I want that to be the mission statement of my life. I am unapologetically pursuing everything, all that Jesus paid for, because anything less then that diminishes the work that he did on the cross. He died and he's saying, I have given you divine access to the throne room of heaven. You have anything that you want when you ask in my name. Don't hold back. 
Don't diminish what I did on the cross. Go after it with everything that you are because I will give you whatever you ask. You will lack nothing. You will be fully empowered to do everything that I've created you to do in my name. Amen? So I want to begin this morning with a story. We were at a minister's retreat a couple of weeks ago, and John Lindell, he's the pastor of James River Assemblies of God, uh, one of our largest churches in the country, uh, multiple campuses, thousands and thousands of people. Um, he spoke, and he spoke on the importance of prayer, individually and corporately. And he began his morning message with this story. Now, I'm not going to tell you all of the details because I can't remember everything. But this story had a major impact on me when he uh, finished telling it. So he told a story of a friend. His friend was, was named Jonathan. And Jonathan, after he graduated high school, he set out to backpack the length of the African continent, which is a major undertaking. His father was a banker, and so at that time, it was a sizable amount of money, gave him 300 pounds, and he set out on this journey to backpack the length of the African continent. Um, long story short, while he was doing this, he got saved. He moved back home, or to the United States, he became a pastor, but there was something in his spirit that would not let him let go of his desire to see the African people come to know Jesus. And so he went back to Ghana, and he started, tried to begin uh, starting a micro-enterprise among the Ashante people in Ghana. And he was met with one roadblock after the next, after the next. He had the best of intentions, but it just didn't seem like his plans could come to fruition. And he was told from one of the people that you need to request an audience with the king of the Ashante people. He told him, if you do not meet with the king, you dishonor the king and disempower yourself. If you do not meet with the king, you dishonor the king and you disempower yourself. So he petitioned for an audience with the king of the Ashante people and was granted an audience with the king. And after that encounter with the king, things that were impossible for him to see done prior to that all of a sudden started happening for him. It's like all of the roadblocks just went away. And he was able to find success in what he wanted to do. An audience with the king is necessary to do business in the kingdom. An audience with the king is necessary to do business in the kingdom. I want to take you to Exodus chapter 33. And you can turn there or flip there if you want. We're going to start in verse 7. But this is a passage of scripture that talks about Moses in the 10th of meeting. Starting in verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside of the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, 
All the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. You see, Moses knew the importance of an audience with the king. And I'm sure within these encounters, Moses probably did more listening than he did talking. Because when you are granted an audience with the king, it's far more important what the king has to say to you than what you have to say to the king. My wife and myself frequently remind our girls that God has given you two ears and one mouth because you need to listen twice as much as you speak most of the time. How often when we pray, it's more like we speak twice as much as we listen. God, we present all our requests to you, everything that we want, everything that we want you to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and we go on with our day. And we neglect the value and the importance of taking time to listen for his voice, listening for his revelation. Moses relied wholeheartedly on God for wisdom and direction because guess what? Moses was responsible for leading two million people. Two million people. That's a lot. That is a huge responsibility. Could you imagine having two million people looking to you for wisdom and direction? But Moses did what a great leader does. He leads because he's led. It wasn't his wisdom. It wasn't his knowledge. He was relying on an audience with the king for everything that he needed to lead well and to follow the leading of God. Moses knew that personal devotion must come before corporate expression. Personal devotion must come before corporate expression. What does that mean? It means what we do for God must be the overflow of our time spent with him. Personal devotion comes before corporate expression. If we want to see a move of God sweep over this place, God better be moving over us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Personal devotion must come before corporate expression. What we do, how we serve, our responsibilities, they must be the overflow of intimacy, the overflow of spending time every day with him because we need him every day, right? We can't do it without him. Or we, we can do it, but we can't do it how he wants us to do it without him. We can't miss this. 
Remember, loving Jesus empowers us to obey his commands. We have to fall in love with Jesus. It can't just be about doing things. It has to be about intimacy and knowing our Father, not just knowing about him, but having a personal relationship with him. So who understood the importance of this? Turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to start here in verse 38, and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. You all tracking with me? You with me? Hey, if you're not, that's between you and God. I don't care. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I care. (laughs) A little bit. All right, here we go. Starting in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. I'm going to read that again. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every, say every, every revelation he shared. But Martha became exacerbated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. First off, that idea to ever interrupt Jesus she, she probably was, you know, at her boiling point um, because, there, you know, Jesus has entered your home. What would you be like if you knew this afternoon Jesus in the flesh was coming to your home? I tell you what you do right now, you'd be flying out of these doors, <laughs> right? I got to get ready. I got to do the dishes. I got to dust. I got to mop. I got to clean. Come on, honey, you're coming too. Not doing this by myself. Well, that's how Martha felt. It was of vital importance to her that the king of kings was in her home. And listen, her motives weren't wrong. It wasn't wrong that she wanted things to be perfect for him. But man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. And Jesus cared far more about the condition of her heart than the condition of her home. And so she is ticked off, and she says, Jesus, Mary's not helping me. Would you tell her to help me? And Jesus says these words. (laughs) I know how Jesus, I I could imagine, he's just like, Martha, Martha, Martha. (laughs) Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really that important? Is what you feel like that that is so imperative that you have to get it done, is it really that much more important than spending time with the Father? Mary has discovered the one thing most important 
by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege away from her. Mary understood the privilege of sitting at the feet of Jesus. In Martha's desire to serve, she was actually neglecting her guest of honor because if she really knew Jesus and really understood his heart, she would have known that sitting at his feet is far more important than doing the chores and getting the food ready. She was actually dishonoring him in that moment because he came there for her, not for what she could offer him. With the best of intentions, our service, okay, let's stop for a minute. I am speaking to my heart right now because I am the pro at doing things. Doing the work, getting the things ready, making sure everything is in its proper place, probably in part a little bit to my OCD, but I'm a details guy, and I have lived far too long desiring more about doing things for him than actually being with him. And men, I can speak to you today because I know we are doers, and so often we allow that to take the place of intimacy. So we need to step up. With the best of intentions, our desire to serve can become self-serving because it becomes more about feeling accomplished and pleasing our own ego than pleasing the Father. Right? I read my Bible today. Check. I spent 15 minutes praying today. Check. I went and served at the church. Check. I went to church. Check. I didn't cuss that guy out when he cut me off in traffic. Check. Let's get real. And it becomes way more about good job than it does about God that I actually honor you today. Jesus, did I really please you? And he says, if you want to please me, spend time with me. Because if you don't spend time with me, you won't know my voice. And if you don't know my voice, you won't be able to understand what I'm saying to you. You won't be able to recognize the sound of my voice. And you will think that this voice is my voice. And this voice is my voice. And this voice is my voice. We cannot confuse the voice of God with the lies of the enemy. And you know his voice through prayer, and through spending time with him. We can even get to the place, honestly, where we feel like spending time in prayer is wasted time. Because I got too many things to do. My agenda is too full. My schedule is packed. And everything on your schedule may be good things. But they can't take the priority of prayer over prayer. Because listen, then we get to that place. What's the verse say? That you, our greatest accomplishments are like filthy rags to him? We get to that place when it is just all about what we do and what we're giving than it is about actually being with him 
and loving him. And our love is what empowers us to do the things we do. I felt like there have been many times. Honestly, I was tempted, I'll be real, an hour ago in my office. I'm going over all of my notes and preparing for this. And I looked up at the clock and I had 10 minutes and I thought, you know what? I need to go out there and get things ready. Need to make sure, you know, the music is on. Got to make sure the lights are on. Got to make sure, you know, I talk to these people. And God's like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. You need to be here with me right now. Because if you go out there and you try to preach this message all on your own strength and wisdom, you might as well be speaking in another language. Because you can't do it without me. You cannot do it without me. We cannot allow it to become all about how accomplished we feel and pleasing our own egos. It has to be about pleasing him. And guess what? It's not about what you do that pleases him. You can work and work and work and work. When he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, he's not talking about all the things that you did. Now here's the other end of the spectrum. We can either feel like Prayer is wasted time, and so we neglect to pray, or we can feel like we are so talented and gifted that we don't even need to pray. I got this. This isn't my first rodeo. I know what I'm doing. I've been here before. John Lindell, when he was preaching, he said this, and believe me, I wanted to crawl under the table some have reached a level of competency that it's spiritually dangerous. I pick up my guitar, I strap it on, and I start to lead. God, I know these songs. I know how to play. I know how to sing. I know what I'm doing. That's a dangerous place for me to get. But that's where the enemy wants to keep us. Listen, the, Satan means deceiver. And he deceives us with good things. Holy cow, he tried to deceive Jesus with his own word. I don't know what was in his brain that day. Like if anyone's gonna know how to rebuke and defend against these lies, it's gonna be the son of God. But he tries to even deceive me into thinking what God has gifted me in, I can just do without God. I don't need him because I'm good enough. Some have reached a level of competency that it's spiritually dangerous. And here's something we need to realize. I need to realize. Just because it's what I'm gifted in doesn't mean that's what God's called me to do. Sometimes where we feel the least equipped is exactly where God is calling us to go. You don't feel comfortable. You don't feel like you're enough. Good. That's probably exactly where God has you. You don't like kids? Go volunteer in the nursery. That's right. I could keep going there, but I'm not going to. 2014 study found that Americans enjoyed five hours and 16 minutes of leisure every day and spent an average of eight minutes praying. Do you know why I chose a study from 2014? 
Because six years later in 2020, I highly doubt it's improved. Because now we have more access to anything that we want at any time of the day that we want it than ever before. And the amount of distractions that are being thrown in our face every day has definitely not decreased since 2014. Five hours and 16 minutes of leisure and spent eight hour, or eight minutes a day praying. Oswald Sanders said, we are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. We are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. I know my wife. I know her desires. I know her needs. I know her will. Not because I read about her. Not because I've talked to other people about her. But I know her intimately because of my choice and my desire to spend time with her every day. There are many things, we've been married going on 14 years this summer, there are many things I don't even have to ask her anymore. Because I know, I know who she is, I know her heart, I know her will. I ask her, you know, honey, you want some chocolate? First off, I already know the answer. Second off, I already know I better not bring home anything milk chocolate. I don't have to ask her that because I know her, because I have chosen and desired to spend time with her every single day. And listen, the more we choose to spend time with our Father, the more it becomes a desire. The more you start feeding on his word, the more you want to be fed by his word. I'm not making this up. If your prayer life is hit and miss, much of what God wants to do or would do in your life will not happen. If my prayer life is hit and miss, most of what God wants to do or would do in my life will not happen. So for the last two weeks, because of these, not this message, but the two that we heard at our minister's retreat from John Lindell, really challenged Leslie and I to begin waking up earlier than normal in the morning, and we both spend time separately with our Father and then together afterwards. And in two weeks, we have seen more happen in our lives we have been more productive, we have seen God open more doors, more miracles than we ever probably have in a two-week period because we have been intentional about prioritizing time with the Father over anything else. And it has to be that way. And when you do it, you will begin seeing things happen that did not happen before, that could not happen before because you are having an audience with the King every day. Our prayer life can't be hit and miss. It can't depend on what life looks like today for us, how busy our schedule is, what time we need to get to work, when we need to do the things we need to do. God will order your steps. We don't have to worry about that. He orders the steps of the righteous. What we must understand is the natural result of praying is greater things. We want to see greater things. 
It's a natural result. It is a promised result that if you pray, if you spend that time daily with him, you will begin to see the greater things that you long for. Your heart will become aligned to his heart. Your will becomes his will. Your thoughts will become his thoughts. Your words will become his words naturally. He is that good. Seeing his promises fulfilled, his glory invading every situation, miracles, signs, and wonders in his name will happen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. It's a promise. Does God keep his promises? Has he ever not kept a promise? No. He is faithful every time. Luke 11, I want to hang out here for a minute, starting in verse 1. This is Jesus teaching on prayer. One day as Jesus was in prayer, one of the disciples came over to him as he finished and said, would you teach us a model prayer? Just like John did for his disciples. So Jesus taught them in prayer. He taught them this prayer. Now this is the Lord's prayer that we normally don't read. We normally read the one from Matthew. Well, it's in Luke as well. Um, it's just a little bit different, a little shorter than the, than the, uh, the version of, in Matthew. Jesus taught them this prayer. Our heavenly Father, May the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. May your Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. Manifest your kingdom on earth and give us our needed bread for the coming day. Forgive us our sins as we release forgiveness to those who have wronged us and rescue us every time we face tribulations. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. Imagine what would happen if you were to go to one of your friends in the middle of the night and pound on their door and shout, please, do you have some food you can spare? A friend just arrived at my house unexpectedly and I have nothing to serve him. You gotta understand, in this culture, if a guest arrives at your home, remember Martha, you need to provide a meal for them. That was the honorable thing to do. But your friend says, why are you bothering me? The door is locked and my family and I are all in bed. Do you expect me to get up and give you our food? But listen, because of your shameless impudence, persistence, even though it's the middle of the night, your friend will get out of his bed and give you all that you need. So it is with your prayers. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will one day open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asks for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asks for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? Wow. Jesus is saying persistence pays off. Right, Amy Crago? 
had a conversation. I hope Amy doesn't mind me telling this, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, Amy knows how much we love her and how much we are warring for her healing and believing Jesus and taking him at his word. Amy came to me last Sunday, and she's been battling with TMJ because of the, her condition and the things happening with her eye and in her body, the sickness that she's um, going through right now. And she said um, she, she can't open her mouth very far at all. All of her food is um, she's taking it with a straw because she can't chew. And um, she said, hey, I need to step down from the worship team right now, which Amy is an incredibly passionate worshiper and um, loves being on the worship team, I think. And uh, so when she, her and Mark came to me, uh, at first I said, okay, you know, I, I completely understand. That's fine. When we see this healing happen, you can come back. So we went on our way, and I went to my office last Sunday morning, and Leslie and I were talking together and getting the service ready, and I felt Holy Spirit speak to my heart and said, you need to go back out, and you need to tell her you're not letting her off the worship team because leading worship has far more to do with the condition of your heart and truly worshiping than it does with the songs that's being sung. And it's far more powerful to me seeing a person on stage who has given their whole heart to God, who is worshiping him with everything that they are, regardless of what they're going through, than it is for me to hear good harmony. Right? I told her, you're not getting off that easy, Amy Crago. Nope. And it's, it's the Holy Spirit. We will see breakthrough. We will see his promise fulfilled because he is a way maker, a miracle worker, and he does not fail ever. Amen? The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. No good thing. If you don't have it right now, it's because you don't need it right now. If God hasn't supplied or provided something you've been asking for, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't give up. Trust him. Because he withholds no good thing from those who do what is right. Here's a verse in Thessalonians, one that we have a hard time Remembering, but it's a very important. Paul says these words right here. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Can you remember that? Never stop. It doesn't mean you have to be in your prayer closet or prayer room 24-7, but that our lives become a living prayer that we are in constant conversation with our Father all of the time, that we have positioned ourselves to hear his voice over any other voice, all because we have spent that time with him. We can't neglect this. We cannot give up. We cannot adjust our theology to fit what we're seeing. 
just because that would be more comfortable and easier to explain. If God hasn't done something yet, I'm not trying to make an excuse for him. Keep praying, keep asking, keep going. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to explain his reasoning. He's sovereign. He's perfect. He withholds no good thing. He's good all the time. It's not his fault. Keep on asking. Keep on declaring his promises. Keep pursuing more of him. You ready for this? I'm going to say that again. Keep on asking. Keep on declaring his promises. Keep pursuing more of him. Because when the church prays, miracles happen. When the church prays, God does more than we can ask, think, or imagine. When the church prays, the church grows. When the church prays, God does the impossible. Amen? Some of you aren't clapping, so I'm going to read it again. When the church prays, Miracles happen. When the church prays, God does more than we ask. When the church prays, the church grows. When the church prays, God does the impossible. Amen. Now we're getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. This isn't in my notes, but we're going here real quick. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Jump down to the end of that. They were continually filled with praises, to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. They would not neglect coming together for prayer together because when the church prays, the impossible becomes possible. It is a promise. Prayer positions us to truly know our Father, to talk to Him face to face. It's like Moses and to receive his truth and his goodness being poured into our lives. If you want to know what is true, spend time with the Father. Learn his voice. And then all of the deception and the lies the enemy tries to tell you, like you're not good enough, you don't look good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have enough faith, you haven't been praying enough, you haven't been reading your Bible enough, you're not talented enough. Every single one of those lies you can rebuke with the truth of the word of God because you know his voice and you know his truth and you know that's not the voice of my father, that's the voice of the accuser. But we have to know. We have to know his voice and know his word. And guess what? Whether they know it or not, our world is crying out for a church who prays. Our world is crying out for a church that understands the privilege of a daily audience with the king. It can't become just going through the motions every day. It can't become a requirement 
that we feel is just a burden and it's just something else to do that's going to take up time. We have to understand the privilege of prayer. A divine opportunity every single day. And if you feel like you really don't know what you're doing, you will. You just have to start. Just start talking to God face to face like talking to a friend. You pour out your request. You thank him for who he is. And you spend time listening to his voice, listening for his voice, because he is speaking. It's just sometimes you have to turn down the volume on all the other noise to hear his still, small voice. Because we live in a loud world. And sometimes we just keep adding to the volume ourselves and turning it up because we keep adding more and more and more and more to our days. The world is crying out for a church that prays, who understands the privilege of a daily audience with the king and who makes it a priority. Our world is crying out for the greater things that Jesus promised. They may not, okay, they may not always say it the right way, and we can become very quick to judge and very quick to say, you know what? They don't deserve my prayers. Can you believe the filth that they're showing on TV? Can you believe the way they dress and the way they talk and how they look? And we hold our world to a standard of holiness without them knowing Jesus. Who's the hypocrite now? They're crying out for the greater things that Jesus has called and commissioned us to do. They're not gonna say it like that, but without Jesus, we are all lost. It doesn't matter if we speak sweeter than someone else. It doesn't matter if we dress nicer than someone else. It doesn't matter if we've never had a drug addiction. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus just as much as the next person. And we cannot neglect those who are crying out because they are crying out for what you have. Why do you think Sinners welcomed Jesus into their homes. Why do you think the religious people were the ones who were offended by his teachings? We use the gospel as offensive, not to the unsaved person, it's not. You read your Bible and you show me where anyone who wasn't saved, who didn't know God, was ever offended by what Jesus taught. They were drawn to him. And it wasn't just because of what he said, it was because of the miracles that he performed, the redemption that he displayed through everything that he did. And that needs to become the identity of his church in this world. That no matter the condition of their heart, they look at the church and they say, I want that. I need that. Tell me how I can get it. And there's your open door. They are crying out for more.
So we're going to end the day a little differently. And uh, we're not going to have an altar call. We're not going to have a closing song. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Because this is intimate, it's personal, it's between you and your father. Please don't tune me out. Because the decision that you make in these next few moments could mean everything for you. Because I am sure there are many of us in this room that we don't struggle with having a daily audience with the king. But I would say for the majority of us, we've allowed way too many excuses to get in the way. Way too many reasons why we don't have the time that we do. Way too many excuses I don't understand. It's, you know, reading the Bible, I, I can't remember. Um, it's too confusing. The Holy Spirit will reveal truth to your heart. Remember, by faith we understand. Not we understand, then we have faith. Do not walk out of this place today without searching your heart, really taking a good look in the mirror. Am I prioritizing my prayer life? Do I desire a daily audience with the king? Do I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders follow me? Because they will. These signs will follow those who believe. We're called to change the world. And we have the answer that they are crying out for. And it's Jesus. It is the greater things for his glory, for his kingdom. But it has to start in prayer. We have to be a church that prays. It is black and white. So I want to read this to you. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And I want to read these words over you today, and I want you to see the will of God for your life in this prayer and who you are, what your identity is as a follower of Jesus, as a son, as a daughter of the king. Paul says, so I kneel humbly in awe before the father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. Did it say that? Never doubt. Never doubt 
God's mighty power to work in you. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming to church. It doesn't matter any of it. His power is within you. It abides in you. It qualifies you to do whatever it is he's calling you to do right now. It empowers you right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to graduate to a certain, you know, level of holiness before. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Whatever you're dreaming for, whatever you're believing for, dream bigger. Believe bigger. He's going to outdo it. That's his promise. Never doubt his mighty power that is working within you, that constantly energizes you. You think it's the coffee? No, it's the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for all of the excuses, for all of the ways that we have neglected the most important thing, you. A daily audience with the king is necessary to do business in the kingdom, and we are a kingdom people We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but it has to start here. We have to be a people that pray, who know your voice, who understand your heart, who love with your love, who see with your eyes, who serve with your compassion. We can't rely on ourselves, we can't rely on what we do or what we feel gifted or talented in. You are the source of our strength, and you are all that we need. Because when we love you, you empower us through your Holy Spirit to obey every command. So empower your church through our love and our desire and our affection for you, Jesus. Because that is the most important thing. May prayer become the priority of our lives as we unapologetically pursue the fullness of what you paid for. It is available. It is available. We just have to reach out and take it and see your mighty power on display every day of our lives. Let us be a church that prays and sees it as a privilege that we get to come in to the Holy of Holies and actually have an audience with the King of Kings. There is no greater honor, there is no greater privilege ever. So we commit our lives right now to you wholly and completely 
as we follow you, as we rely on you, do what you have promised in your name. Amen. Amen.